matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Don't make a bit of sense to me. If that's what being crazy is, then I'm senseless, out of it, gone down the road, wacko. But no more, no less. And this shit ain't shit, man. What? We smoked this whole lid, man, and I haven't even got a buzz yet, man. You ain't high? I ain't high, I'll tell you that, man. I don't feel nothing, man. You must get high on lawn clippings, Jack. Because this ain't grass, man, I'm telling you that. Welcome to Unhinged, episode number 12, recorded June 10th, 2016. Uh, our opening today was from... Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. Classic. It it actually highlights the topic we'll be discussing today. Yeah, how to score a lid. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, we'll be talking about psychopharmacology and pharmacogenetics. Well done. So explain to us what, what these terms mean. Well, I did want to talk about it because I'm involved in the impact study here, which I'll tell you about, and that has to do with uh, pharmacogenetics. And um, psychopharmacology is basically um, talking about uh, psychiatric medications mm-hmm. uh, for different types of mental illness that you might be suffering from. So, uh, and I, again, I just met with Dr. Roger McIntyre as I referred to the post from unhingedpodcast.com. Shameless plug here. <laughs> um, and uh, so I met with, um, he's really a, a foremost psychopharmacologist, just to get his input on uh, if we might want to add in some kind of medication um, that might go uh, along well with DBS. Right. And really, we're getting into the whole topic of psychopharmacology because it, in my case, is crossing borders. We're dealing with medications that really don't normally have anything to do with uh, antidepressants or depression in general. Uh, We're dealing with um, these drugs that are used for various types of illnesses like type 2 diabetes and general inflammation, steroids, um, all kinds of different medications that have just through study have found to be effective for people who are treatment resistant. So are they effective in the sense that they, uh, they actually treat the depression as if it were uh, a depression drug, a normal depression drug, or is it helping along other drugs? Well, that's a very good question. And I think what you're referring to is something like an Abilify. Right. Uh, yeah, so those are really adjunct medications to your to your standard, a secondary medication that could help sort of um, help them work. Um, and they've used lithium for that as well, and I've taken that mm-hmm. as a as a, an adjunct medication. But um, in this case, we're dealing with medications that can work on their own, and and really, it it could help the DBS um, work in a sense, or give it a little turbo boost. Mm-hmm. Um, although if you talk to the DBS team, it can actually go in completely the other way around, really, if you're looking at it. And they really don't know for sure. Still, again, data yet to to get back on that. Um, but it could be that the DBS makes the medications work. You know, it could work both ways. 
So I wonder, how, how did they discover that these medications work for depression? I mean, like, for example, a, a, an arthritis medication they discover will work for treating people with depression. Is it accidental or? Well, Roger McIntyre certainly uh, would answer that question very well. And he's, again, being a, a psychopharmacologist, um, this is a field um, that is it's really complex and it requires continuous study uh, to keep current and, and keep uh, up with technical advances uh, in the field. And, you know, at this point, in, at least in my case, we're looking at um, targeting a number of different physiological systems, um, which, you know, happens to be where it could be an arthritis medication for some reason mm -hmm. seems to help people with, with TRD. So there's so many studies, um, drug trials going on. Um, so we're getting information from that. And um, Dr. McIntyre is foremost a researcher. He's, he's a scholar, you know, and he churns mm -hmm. out um, papers on these things, you know, like we churn out phlegm, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah. But, uh, and I say that for you because you're just getting over a cold. So, And, of course, we hope you're feeling better. I am feeling much better. Thank you. Well, as in my case, we discussed a few different options. Uh, one of them is an anti-inflammatory approach. Um, and a lot of, uh, I think we had actually mentioned this in a previous podcast, but there are a lot of studies uh, being done right now on inflammation in the brain. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a real hot button, especially for treatment resistance. Minocycline is an example of that. It's a very classic medication. So we're looking into that. They're also studying incretins, um, actually, which, just to fill you in, those are a group of me uh, metabolic hormones that uh, stimulate a decrease in blood glucose levels. Um, so they're measured in, in blood levels. So actually, they're, they're quite interesting because you can increase and uh, decrease dosage based on blood levels. What do you mean so by not blood levels? Well, you're not you're not grasping at straws. You actually go in and get blood work, and they can test that particular what what the level is in your system. I see, interesting. Um, and in some of those medications, if you go too high uh, into the blood level, um, it, it could actually have an adverse effect. So you want to you you you, know, you have to watch those levels. Right, right. Um, so there are a couple different medications. One is actually for type two diabetes, uh, brand name Victoza, uh, which is actually Liraglitude. So that's one. Um, Isn't that a, a, a singer, Victoza? Victoza. No, I think that was Victamone. Oh, Victamone. Okay. Yeah, classic. Uh, so um, with respect to oxidative stress, which they're looking at, um, uh, actually I'm looking at just a, a supplement, a mineral supplement, uh, which is uh, N-acetylcysteine. Wow, that's a mouthful. It is. And I got through it. Yes. Uh, uh, first take, everyone, first take. <laughs> uh, taking a couple grams of that a day. And, and um, so uh, my main question to him was, um, you know, feeling better now uh, because when I had called their office to get an appointment, this was six weeks ago. And at that time, I was in the severe category. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I actually even had to apologize when I went to the office because I think I was so mad that they wanted to see me six weeks later. You know, I'm, I'm in this desperate scenario. 
uh, not realizing I'm not the only person in the world suffering. <laughs> but I think my email back was, uh, you know, if I'm still alive, I'll be there. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, but that's the level I was at and I'm sure they. Yeah, that's really how you were feeling at the time. You were like, yeah, I don't know I was, if I'm going to make it. Yeah. I was trying to make a point. It's like I had to make that point, you know. Right. Sure, I have to see him because he's like the best there is, but damn it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I asked him, uh, you know, feeling better now, you know, uh, is it, could it be detrimental to add in a medication to experiment in this case? Uh, um, so he, he doesn't believe that's the case. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's worth it. I mean, we obviously want to shoot for the moon uh, and we're halfway there, you know, at least in, in my thinking. Right. Um, and I actually took the HAMD scale myself. Um, and I scored a seven, which is actually pretty amazing. Um, and I'm going to give Ed that test later on in today's show. <laughs> so explain what the levels are, um, for that test. What is a seven? Um, well, we'll get into that. We'll get okay. into that. I, I, I did want to mention one other, um, approach that we were looking at because, um, I had tried, um, uh, the ketamine trial, if you remember. Yep. Uh, and that targets the glutamate system uh, in the body. And there is another medication. Um, and again, the ketamine, I had stopped that trial a little bit early because that was not covered under the, uh, in the healthcare plan. Mm-hmm. So um, I was paying that out of pocket. And it just, I can't do that. It's just not feasible for me. Um, at the same time, you know, if I, if I knew that was the only thing that was going to work, I mean, this is about saving my life. So it's a saving my life, money, saving my life, yeah. money. So I'd find a way. Uh, but there are other things we can try, uh, including this medication called baclofen, um, which is better known for its role in, in muscle spasticity and, um, uh, you know, used for a variety of conditions, actually relevant to psychiatry too, but not limited to depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, you know, so that's something that is covered um, and might help. But I, I've definitely had to be my own advocate in this yeah. situation for many reasons. And one is because now I've been, you know, recommended these medications that are fringe medications, we'll say, and, and last resort medications, that type of thing. And finding out that both that he had recommended are not covered. Yeah. Uh, e- even minocycline, which is a very old medication. Uh, which started as minocent, and that's not even produced anymore. It only produces a generic medication. So, um, is it the fact that it's generic that it is why it's not covered, or is it a compound medication? Or no, it's not a compound at all. No, it's it, and and, if, and generic would just mean it'd be cheaper for the drug company. So it should be covered. It would be a very inexpensive medication. And turns out, relatively speaking, it is. Mm-hmm. It would be about a hundred dollars out of pocket per month for me. Mm. here uh, to get about 200 milligrams per day. So still looking into that and we're actually, um, uh, there is a a program um, through Health Canada uh, called the uh, uh, Exceptional um, Drug Access Program where, you know, my doctor can write in and explain the circumstances uh, and a board will get together and and review the situation and, and may be able to cover it. So Oh. We're waiting, waiting on, on word on that. Cool. So I am part of the impact study, uh, which uses genetic testing. They take a saliva sample uh, to identify genetic variants uh, that can influence um, a couple things. One, how you respond to various psychiatric medications um, and uh, experience side effects from various uh, 
psychiatric medications and, and really also how your, your body um, produces them. Um, and I'm actually a slow producer, I found out. Hmm. Um, so uh, it may take the body to break down these chemicals. Uh, it may take a little bit longer for me. Um, and so what that would relate to is, let's say we wanted to increase the medication. Maybe I'm finding, okay, it's not working. We want to go up. Right. You want to maybe wait a little bit longer than you normally would to make sure we're ready to go up. If you know you're, you're a slow metabolizer of, of that particular medication. Right. So or, is this, general. is this what's considered then pharmacogenetics? Yeah. Uh, which is the study of uh, inherited genetic differences in, in, drug metabolic pathways that can affect, you know, individuals' response to drugs, in my case, a little bit slower. Right. Uh, but both, both in terms of a therapeutic effect as well as the adverse effects. So it recommends for particular cases what would work best for you, and it actually gives you sort of, it does the stoplight type of scenario where there's, you know, red, yellow, green. Mm-hmm. So the green would be the best for you and yellow would be kind of keep an eye on it and red would be probably an adverse effect. So really um, you can say that uh, pharmacogenetics is really uh, determining how your specific uh, genes are reacting to different medications. And that's why everybody reacts differently to different medications because of genetics. That's right. A- absolutely. And in the Gale Encyclopedia of Medicine... Um, they refer to it as is the study of how the actions of, and reactions of drugs may vary with the patient's genes. Mm. So it is exactly that. You're right. Um, so uh, it's a very important um, um, in pharmaceutical sciences and biochemistry um, to know these kinds of things. Uh, proteins and polymorphisms and all kinds of exciting things like that. But I am involved in that study. And that's, a, like I say, they keep my saliva sample. Hopefully mm-hmm. not messing with it, uh, but keep that for 25 years. So my spit will live with them for the next <laughs> quarter of a century. Oh, that's lovely. Yes. Um, so is this why your tolerance for alcohol and everything has always been so much higher than mine, you think? I suppose that could be true. Uh, and I guess the same could be said for uh, the other medications that I take, uh, antidepressants, et cetera, that been so many years taking them that maybe that had made me a slow producer. Um, not really sure. And I wonder if I'll get further information, but I guess down the road I will. Yeah, I, I do think that there's some genetic predispositions because I, I know every time I've gone to the dentist and they use the Novocaine on me, the, yeah. the dentist is always saying, wow, you can still feel that. Like they, you know, they pinch you and they're like, can you feel that? I'm like, yes, it hurts. <laughs> uh, and, and they keep injecting, keep injecting. It takes like three or four times the amount of Novocaine for me to not feel it anymore. Oh, uh, more shots in the mouth. I know. <laughs> Terrible. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And typically you, if you go by what you're saying and that you have a, a low tolerance for most things, um, you'd think that'd be the other way around. Yeah, so. I would think so. Yeah. I think we're out of our uh, our expertise level on that one. And we'd have to know how to, how Novocaine actually works in the system too, because that that is different than taking a you know a psychiatric type psychotropic type of medication. Sure, sure. You know, it's localized, uh, which, yeah. and that has to you know um, get processed in the liver and, and through the bloodstream, and you know where this is going directly in the mouth, and could be the shape of your mouth, the thickness. Uh, who knows? You know? Yeah, um, but we're not doctors. We have no idea what we're talking about here. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> All right, good for the show. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, it is very interesting to be a part of that study um, because they're really learning a lot, and it could it could, could really help in in being able to regulate medications and mm-hmm. uh, n- not just sort of stabbing in the dark. Right. Uh, because per class of medications, there are a lot of different drugs, um, and you know, they're churning them out because it's a moneymaker. Right. And that's the bottom line. Yeah. So, um, so we'll see how that goes. And now, it's the Quiz of the Week. <laughs> all right, all right. Hi. This is Jim Brozak, and we're here to give Ed Gagiani the Hamilton Depression Scale. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, it's very exciting, Ed. All right, so we're going to give you the Hamilton Scale for Depression. Uh, the Hamilton Rating Scale for Depression, also known as the HAMD, um, it's, it's a multiple item questionnaire, um, and it's used to provide an indication of depression. Um, really is a guide to evaluate recovery. And when I go in each time to the doctor, as I've mentioned many of our shows, that I go in and I take this and it gives us an idea of where I'm at. And I've mentioned the numbers uh, when, when I was at 30 and when I was at 17 and now I'm at 7. So this will give um, our listeners kind of an idea on how it works. So are you ready, Ed? Yes, I am. And what do I win? Do I win a ham? No, you win not being depressed. All right. Yay. All right. So we'll start with depressed mood, sadness, hopelessness, helplessness, worthlessness. Uh, Basically from absent to pervasive. I would say absent. The second question relating to feelings of guilt, uh, ranging from absent Self-reproach, ideas of guilt or rumination, um, present illness as a punishment, delusions of guilt, and the last option being here is accusatory or denunciatory voices uh, and or experiencing threatening visual hallucinations. Uh, I would say absent. Absent, good. And the third question is relating to suicide. Absent. Okay, well, I don't have to explain the rest of the options there. Insomnia early which is no difficulty falling asleep, complains of occasional difficulty falling asleep more than half an hour, complains of nightly difficulty falling asleep. I fall asleep at the drop of a hat. I've fallen asleep during recording podcasts. So I'm sorry, but drop of a hat was not an option. (laughs) Oh, uh, no difficulty falling asleep. Excellent. And insomnia middle is no difficulty Patient wake, uh, complains of being restless and disturbed during the night and waking during the night, any getting out of bed except for purposes of voiding. Yeah, I was going to say, well, you know, I am 46 years old, so I do get up occasionally in the middle of the night for purposes of voiding. Uh, so, so no difficulty. But no difficulty in general, yes, correct. Okay. And insomnia late, which is no difficulty, waking in early hours of the morning, but goes back to sleep or unable to fall asleep again if you get out of bed. Uh, no, no difficulty. 
Sleep is very easy for me. And the next question relates to work and activities. The first option is no difficulty. Then thoughts and feelings of incapacity, fatigue, weakness. Uh, Third is loss of interest in activities, hobby or work. Uh, Decrease in actual time spent in activities or decrease in productivity. Um, And stopped working because of present illness in hospital, etc. So this one, I would not say no difficulty. Um, I would I would go up one notch to thoughts and feelings of incapacity, fatigue, or weakness related to activities. And I would only say that because I do get lazy. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I do. Believe it or not, I do. You. No, really. Ed's Lazy Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have no loss of interest in the activities. I just... Sometimes I want to do something, but then I'm like, eh, I'd rather sit. Okay. Uh-huh. And I think so. it probably will interpret that uh, as laziness, and you probably end up in still in the quote-unquote normal category. But let's move on. Let's move on. And the second to last question has to do with loss of weight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no comment. And the final question, insight a not depressed, based on the above items, acknowledge illness but attributes caused to bad food, climate, overwork, etc., and denies being ill at all. Uh, not depressed. All right, and as we tally the score... Ed Caggiani, you scored a one. Yeah. Yes. Very well done. All right. Very well done. Considering up to seven is in the normal category, you are, unlike what I thought, normal. (laughs) Well, that's amazing. So up to seven is considered in the normal category. And you you said earlier you scored a seven? Yeah. I I would be considered in the mild category right now, which for me is... You know, like I have my own private jet. That's you know, amazing. It's, it's very good. So, um, but that gives everyone sort of an idea on, on numbers where we're talking about. Um, and again, the numbers vary from one to around 30. And when I'm in the severe category, I'm usually at 28, 29, Jeez. you know, been 30 before. So, um, shows you what I experienced going from suicide suicidal ideation Mm -hmm. to scoring in 2013 as you just did a one yeah it's amazing as i was going through as i was looking at all the questions uh like to me it just nothing registered you know everything was like uh no 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 and for you to think that you have taken this before and have have scored a what did you say 20 something 28 well, up to 30, you know, 29, I think, was, was the highest. That's, that's severe. Yeah, very severe. And it's, you know, nothing, you know, as you looked at it, it's like, oh, of course, you know, next, next. I was looking at it, oh, my God, which one am I? Because I know I'm not normal. And, you know, nothing was normal. Everything is affected in that severe category. We're talking genitourinary where, you know, does... You know, little Doug work today? No. I mean, there's no such thing. You know, that's there's nothing going on there. Hmm. Uh, sleep issues. Everything is affected physiologically, psychologically, and the combination uh, of both. 
So, uh, yeah, it's quite insightful, isn't it? It is. It, it kind of uh, gives you a point, gives me a point of view of, of how severe severe really is. Um, just looking at all the, the answers on that, that test, uh, I could not imagine being at any one of those levels. Yeah, and I'm actually glad you you said that, and are kind of surprised by it, and, and it gives us a little bit more, you know, to show people just how intense this disease is. Mm -hmm. uh, and it really was not, you know, I didn't have that intention. Really, I just wanted to give you and everyone listening that frame of reference when we, you know, refer to those numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are other depression scales out there. The Madras scale is a very popular one used and uh, it's another acronym which we don't need to get into but mm. the ham the ham d is a good uh, ongoing uh, scale to use and very widely used we'll we'll uh, put a link to that uh test up on our on the show notes yeah and you can take that at home and just for your curiosity and, and uh, if you're interested in the subject matter it's, it's very good uh really to see where you where you sit um and if you do have fluctuations even with mild depression or just just living your life and you want to see sort of where I'm at today and if if maybe you are concerned that maybe you do have a form of mild depression. Again, we don't want to slap labels on, but this gives you an at-home way to do it. Yeah, but just, just keep in mind that uh, typically this type of test is administered by a professional, by a doctor. Uh, so doing it at home just might give you an idea, but you really should uh, see a professional when, uh, when, you're, when you want a real diagnosis. Yeah, and as a psychiatrist, you're 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 watching uh, the patient's uh, body language. You're watching mm -hmm. movements. You're watching. Uh, you know, they may say something verbally that gives you certain indications. So sometimes it's given to you uh, by the doctor verbally, mm -hmm. and sometimes I've taken it in paper form, and, and then it's just scored. Um, so they vary in, in the way the questions are asked, but it's the same format basically. Right. Because, uh, you know, you have to have that consistency, obviously, in the questioning yeah, uh, to get the, the, the accurate scoring. So interesting and uh, not um, definitely what I expected, but, um, but I th I'm glad we uh, were able to give you that frame of reference. So had I, basically, I, when I answered every question, there were 17 questions on this particular version of the test. Um, and I basically answered the first answer for every question except for one, which I answered the second level up. Uh, so had I answered everything with just the first, would that be a zero on the, on the scale? Yes, technically. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And, and when I scored a one, there was one, obviously one question that was not, you know, everything's groovy. Yeah. Uh, so, but you know, again, it was obviously, um, you know, uh, not enough to mm -hmm. bring me out of the normal range. Right. So, um, yeah, quite interesting. So going back to the Ministry of Health and, and having to be my own advocate, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's not only getting those uh, medications covered and uh, how am I going to get them and is there an exception, um, but it's also a matter of, you know, I uh, met with Dr. McIntyre the other day and that is the biochemical side of things, psychopharmacology. Um, and then you have the DBS team two floors down, mm -hmm. which is, you know, this is uh, the neuroscience team. Uh, but unfortunately, the two don't talk to each other. 
Oh. You know, and I said to him, I said, you know, can't we get you guys in a room and we consult as a group? Right. You know, with you, them, and then my psychiatrist, and, you know, get it all together. But it doesn't work that way. Oh. And so I find myself in the middle being the advocate, you know, and, and okay, uh, let me call this one and find out about this, and I'll ask him about this. And, you know, and there should be one there who's doing that, you know. Right. Uh, and, and there, there is a... Um, you know, an intern working for the uh, the DBS team who typically sort of coordinates that. But again, between departments, and I even said to him, you know, can we get that these guys in a room? Did you work together? And he's like, well, you know, it really doesn't happen. <laughs> That's amazing. Just, there literally are two schools of thought. And yeah. even when I when I asked him, I said, well, do you believe in in the DBS procedure and the and and uh, focusing on the the single gyrus of the brain and he kind of gave a look like, hmm, you know. Really? So, yeah. So, huh. it, it's uh, the, the jury's still out, I guess, as it were. Yeah, and, and it puts you right in the middle where, I mean, you're not a doctor, but you're desperate to try anything to help. So That's right. So, so it's, 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 it's almost worse. You know, you're, you're looking for this glimmer of hope, and then you've got one leader of this particular part of, uh, you know, of this um, – field of study treatment you know uh saying one thing and these saying another and so you have to kind of put it together yourself it's it's interesting hmm. and and only because my psychiatrist again just does not see patients uh, at this level right and most and most don't so you end up having to either go into the hospital or as they say here in Canada, you go in hospital. In hospital. Um, that's how they say it. Uh, and, um, and then you, you know, sort of get everyone working on the same page. But uh, if you're doing this, you know, um, what, yourself. Yeah, and that means you have to fight harder yourself. You have, like you said, yeah. you have to be your own advocate. Uh, and yeah. that must be really difficult when you're in a severe category. Well, it would be impossible. Yeah. And that's why I'm jumping on it now. While I'm not right, uh, you know, so I could, you know, I can have some r rational thought and, and mm -hmm. some objective thought. You know, you cannot be objective in the severe category. Yeah. Let alone can you think clearly or even give a crap about it at all. Yeah. So, and we won't get any more deep than that, but but that's the idea. Yeah. So I'm perfectly willing to be the advocate. And luckily, I do have a lot of knowledge and experience. Uh, myself, so you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that respect. Um, so um, the other things that I did want to just mention are just um, things that are are helpful tools. Your depression toolbox, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, some things that you can do for yourself, uh, which obviously you know, having a good diet, um, trying to get you know, eat the right foods and have certain vitamins, certain minerals. Uh, that can again help right. uh, with oxidative stress and, and other types of things. Um, so sleep, diet, uh, positive self-talk, uh, which is very interesting. Um, positive self-talk, um, and this is actually information from the University of Michigan Depression Center, um, and we'll put up uh, a link to to this information on the uh, resource page. Um, but an important part of managing depression is is managing your thought patterns. Mm -hmm. 
uh, you know, seeing oneself as a hopeless, you know, bad person, feeling responsible when, when, whenever something goes wrong or dwelling on the worst case scenarios. Those are all examples of, of exaggerated negative thought patterns. Right. Uh, you know, and that kind of distortive thinking leads to total spiral, uh, downward spiral, you know, until you're unable to, to even see or imagine anything positive at all. Well, it's very uh, similar to what uh, uh, Murray was talking about in uh, a previous podcast, the power of your belief system. That's right. And, and it's, it's, you know, it, it can be a real chain reaction in one way or another. And it's much, it, it, it's much harder to do that in a positive way uh, than to just give up. I always think about uh, Stuart Smalley. I'm good enough. I'm strong enough. And, and doggone it, it, people like, like me. me. Yes, from Saturday Night Live. Yes. It's exactly, you know, you have to talk to yourself in a very positive way and change those those thought patterns. Hence yeah. CBT. We go back to CBT again. But you can minimize the impact of, of negative thoughts by practicing specific strategies. See, I had a little Christopher Walken. Practicing <laughs> uh, specific strategies to thinking more constructively. And, um, so, uh, for example, you know, acknowledging your thoughts. You know, avoid giving in to negative thinking. You, you learn to identify your thoughts you know, as they occur and as you say them, you can say them or write them down. Um, the goal is, is, uh, is not to try and eliminate them, but to see them for what they are. And mm -hmm. they're just thoughts, you know, and not just sort of take them literally and just boom. Right. Um, but but that, that must be near impossible when you're in the severe category. It is. And again, you, you know, we're talking when you say that about TRD and that's, you know, uh, when you're dealing with depression in general, you can do this at any time. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you're talking about a neurological disease, yes, you're incapable. They're just, you know, you can't just create those, uh, you know, endorphins and all the neurotransmitters mm -hmm. just by, by, you know, positive self-talk. Right. Uh, so as I said, with, you know, you can have uh, talk therapy and, and be a part of CBT and, and those things. Once you're out of the severe category, once you've gotten the the... the you know, the uh, neurological side um, taken care of in right. a sense. Right, uh, Once you've addressed that side and you've made some progress, then you can invite these things in. Yeah. Uh, and then you challenge your thoughts. Uh, when you identify a negative thought, you know, that occurs often, uh, argue with it. Mm. And, you know, you challenge it. For, for example, when thoughts um, like, I'm worthless, when those kind of thoughts come up, you count on them with more realistic thoughts like uh, my kids need me or, or mm -hmm. my employer values my work or, you know, right. each time you, you counter exaggerated statements, uh, everything I do is wrong or um, with facts like I walked the dog today or, yeah. you know, my boss, my boss complimented me or, yeah. um, you know, so the negative thoughts lose more of their power yeah. as you go. And you want to interrupt your thoughts. Um, again, use your imagination to create a device to help you sort of stop those negative thoughts right when you recognize them. Um, and some people visualize a, a stoplight even or a stop sign mm -hmm. or, or you imagine hearing a buzzer or an alarm when that happens. Um, and then you walk away from your thoughts. Uh, and sometimes the best approach is to change the subject or create a diversion, a distraction like taking a walk or calling a friend, reading a magazine, 
doing a chore, you know, just or just like we were saying break. for you, uh, pick up your guitar or play something. Exactly, yeah. and that and that, that's that's the best example out of all of those, right? At least in my case, and that, and then all of a sudden you're throwing in music therapy, yeah, and and uh, and endorphins would be. I mean, I don't think I'd build endorphins by doing laundry or, or <laughs> you know a chore, but but um, but you know some some would, uh, and at least the thought would be sort of temporarily suppressed, yeah. but with music, you absolutely you nailed it on the head there for sure. You know, we're talking about the depression scale. It actually makes me think, and I really wanted to express this to you. Uh, you know, this week uh, we've been talking sort of sporadically. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, work has been very busy for me. And as I've been planning the show, um, you know, I, I thought about that, and, and I, I can tell you this. You know, me, you know, being in the more mild category now, uh, I can think more clearly, and I don't have these pervasive negative thoughts if i was at a 17 you know a moderate category to moderate to severe or or anywhere in that range i would have had all kinds of thoughts uh and they would all be negative and mm -hmm. you know oh he's starting to get sick of me he doesn't want to do the show anymore and uh, you know all of these just but i just inherently knew you know i just felt it you know that you're busy. He's inundated with work. Let him, let him get caught up, and when he's ready, it's going to be more. Yeah, and I actually, I actually noticed um, because we weren't talking that often this week because of work. Uh, I was thinking to myself, "Oh no, I wonder if, I wonder if he's going to be down when I when I talk to him next because you know it's been a while." And and in the past, that would have been the case. And in many times past, I would have you know if we didn't talk for a week. Um, and the next time I talk to you, then there'd be like all this negativity, this huge flood of, of just negative, uh, thoughts. And, uh, I was quite pleasantly surprised when we, uh, when I, I think I reached out to you, um, earlier this week and started, we started chatting about this show, uh, and it was perfectly normal. It was just like, yeah, I think my reaction was, you know, it's all good. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> you know, I, I was surprised I, and it sucks that I was surprised because, you know, that means that in the past it's been different, but in a way it's great because now it means that uh, you're, you're definitely more on the, the normal side. Well, and you can see that I didn't drop off the radar because you, you saw on Facebook and on our page. And, right. Yeah. And I saw your post. Website, you know, and, and you're reacting to them and um, because we, you know, again, we want to, uh, you know, stay on the, the social media and keep keep putting things on that, that are helpful for the right. blog, etc. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's this normalcy that's it's very exciting for me. And uh, again, great. just hope hope that that keeps you know things keep going in the same direction. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So interesting that that, that was. But um, uh, so on to the next thing, which is uh, another uh, coping mechanism. Uh, uh, Part of your depression toolkit is journaling, mm -hmm. uh, which is very good. Writing in a journal is is an opportunity to to pause at some point in the day, write things down, and your you know that what's on your mind. Uh, you know, an ADD can really be a, a problem. In in my case, to actually even do that and be able to do that, but um, once you do it and you can focus on it and understand what what the importance is and and you know where where we'll go and where it would lead to mm -hmm. uh, you hopefully you can do it but um, if you've never kept a journal before writing down your thoughts and feelings can seem 
awkward at first. It just takes time and, and commitment to make journaling into a habit. And, right. and I think Murray had said that, and, you know, uh, you play your guitar at, you know, 10 o'clock every morning or, or yeah. whatever you do, but make it this, you know, this, this habit. Right. Uh, and it really can help provide you with, with valuable feedback on how you're managing your own illness. And in a way, I would think that doing this podcast is kind of journaling for you. Oh, absolutely. No, it's definitely. And, and it's, it, it could be, as a journal would be, a real helpful tool to share, say, with your, with your doctor or, right. or you know, in this case, with our, our listeners. Now, you actually uh, did keep a journal uh, when you were in, in hospital. Yeah, uh, that's exactly and, what they say. Yeah, did you, do you ever look back at what you wrote in that journal? And are, are you ever surprised at, at how you were writing then? Yeah, and now that you mentioned it, I, I'd have to grab those out, but I'm going to put some of those actually on the site, uh, sort of clips and examples of, yeah. of that. But I do look at them and say, oh, my God, you know, jeez. Yeah. You know, because I'm writing, you know, uh, I feel like I'm a piece of crap and I, I just want to jump off the building, but I can't get through the window, the, you know, the pane glass windows. And I mean, just like horrid things. Well, the, um, and just for, for anyone who hasn't uh, listened to the previous shows, this was a period of time when uh, Doug had actually checked himself into a, a mental institution. Yeah, they're in two, three months stints, so six months total in the in the hospital and going through different programs. And mm -hmm. yeah, um, so uh, but it was you know journaling was loosely put. You know, was, I, I wish I had written it down every day. It you know, but right. I didn't do that. It's you know, uh, <sighs> your mind like, is so scattered. So it was like just just disjointed ramblings yeah yeah and not necessarily that that what i wrote was disjointed and rambling, but just the fact that it wasn't a consistent journal right, you know right you know you'd see uh, june 24th you know i just yeah. wrote this babble and then you know july 14th you know and so what the hell happened in between yeah so journaling really needs to be that constant you know and and i guess just like girls used to keep a diary yeah you know and and um you know simply put journaling is what that means is writing life down yeah uh and there there are two key reasons to keep a journal and one of them is you want to recapture the moment mm -hmm. so you're spending just a few minutes a day you know writing in the journal um it, it gives you the opportunity to to slow down uh, you know revisit key events of the day and describe what happened and what you recall thinking or feeling, um, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, writing to reflect on how you reacted and, and felt throughout the day can provide a lot of insight uh, into how you see yourself mm -hmm. uh, and, in general, the world around you. Uh, and that knowledge can really help you gauge the progress you're making, as really the show has done for me. And uh, and also, journaling uh, can expose patterns in your behavior that you may not yeah. notice unless you actually write them down. Yeah. And because we're dealing with me in cycles, it seems with the disease, it's, it's that's key. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and journaling is a real, also a real uh, self teaching tool. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it provides a safe environment to, to really see, you know, how changing your, your thoughts and behaviors might bring about a different outcome. Right. Uh, many people find that at once, They've recounted the day's events. They can also spend a few minutes journaling about uh, the lessons of the day and, and 
and quote-unquote practicing alternative ways to react to stress and how you handle relationships and, and recognize life's positive moments yeah. and appreciating them. You know, so journaling can really, really help. Um, so, you know, some tips, just to give you some tips for starting a journal is really commit to a time, as we said, uh, on writing your journal on a regular basis, ideally daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you find a quiet time to to place to journal, you know. Um, and every person's journal is going to be different. Uh, some of the things you can keep track of uh, in your journal are your thoughts, your feelings, ideas, concerns, accomplishments, disappointments, mm-hmm. um, accounts of interactions with others, negative and positive. Um, you know, so uh, it, it, it does give you that... that um, that range and, and really to see where you're at. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, of course, you know, exercise movement, um, you know, that's endorphins. That's powerful. Yeah. We've covered that. And uh, we all know that. And it's just not enough. Uh, I mean, how many my 600 pound life shows we have <laughs> to have on the air? You right. know, I mean, there's, you know, people just don't move. And hey, I'm it, guilty of that myself. Uh, I really, and, and, if I if I were to feel any guilt on anything, it's the fact that I don't take care of myself like I should, um, out of pure laziness. Uh, so so I, I totally I, hear yeah. you there. And I don't know if I'm inherently like that because I've always have had such de- you know severe depression. Right. So that's going to give you that lack of energy. So if I didn't have the disease, would I be this go getter? You know, and doing that really crazy fast walk that people do. I don't think I'd be like <laughs> that, but you know flailing your arms yeah, no, for you know, me but, it's for me it's pure laziness i'm sure of it <laughs> i remember well, as, I knew, as a kid on. i remember as a kid my my brother always wanted to go riding bikes or you know let's ride our bikes to the lake and go swimming and i'm like a i don't like to ride my bike because it's work <laughs> and b i don't like to go swimming <laughs> so <laughs> I, I would rather stay at home and play on the computer and that's what i would end up doing uh, see so, you'd be perfect to go to the dead sea in israel <laughs> You know, you just got to float there. Yeah, exactly. A little, a little salty, but it, it was <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh, I bet. But, it, you know, it does help. And there is a, it's a definite, besides, the, you know, well, I shouldn't say besides, but creating endorphins is about that connection between the mind and the body. Right, right. Uh, and and it, it's clear what that does. And, and, you know, as we get older, I mean, if you've noticed, you know, if you've been inactive and you're, you're, you've been sitting in your desk working for however many hours and then you go out and you're taking a walk somewhere and, and just the knee starts, you know, a little there and then <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, you get this tingling in your toes and it's yeah. because you, you're not moving. Right, you know. Right, and as the older you get, the more things you know. You're not as resilient as you used to be. <laughs> you know, it's not like oh, my legs asleep. Is that you know that's happening just moving. You know, <laughs> so it it really gets more, more, and more important. Now the worst uh, is when I wake up with a sleeping injury. <laughs> yeah, and I and I was so you know when I was in the severe category, I was so bad. I mean, this is months and months on end with no relief, hmm. just laying on the couch. And I was so bad that I had just two horrible, horrible sore shoulders, both of them sore from laying on one side and then going and laying on the other side. Hmm. And so I guess in a sense I had bed sores. You well, know, bed, uh, sores, bed sores actually, uh, you know, bleed and stuff like that. So you were yeah, probably on your, literally. on your way to bed sores. 
I mean, not literally, but I mean, yeah. that's, you know, I, I had, yeah, I had injuries that's, from not moving. I yeah. mean, and talking about having, uh, you know, sleep issues, you already have that. Right. It's like, all right, now it's 11 p.m., 12 p.m., whatever, uh, 12 a.m. And, uh, you know, and like now I got to go bed because I'm really tired from laying down all day. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. so your body's like, you want to sleep now? I mean, damn, let's do something. Right. You know, so you got to. your mind you just know, won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. If you got to, if you're having sleep issues, obviously the first thing to do is how much exercise are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I don't literally mean, you know, you got to go jump rope or, or you know, yeah. do the pummel horse. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about just taking a half hour walk. Right. Just getting your body moving and, and earning sleep. Yeah, definitely. And I'll, I'll need to do more of that myself. Yeah. And, you know, don't put it off. Uh, you know, if one thing I've learned is, you know, um, you got you to gotta live day to day and, and really find that balance and don't put off today what you can do till tomorrow because, you know, there may not be a tomorrow. I, I'm going for a walk now. I'll see you later. Uh, Bye. No, 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 not yet. No, not. We're doing the. Oh my god! Where did he go? He actually went for a walk. I think. Oh, all right, I'm back. Whew. No, no, no! I, like they say, like a half hour walk. I think. Oh, half hour. Oh. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not exhausted. now because let's just finish. We can wrap this on up here okay. first. Uh, but no, that's good. That's good. You're getting into it, and uh, so we've had some levity in the show, and we needed that after talking about serial killers on the last show. Yeah. But I think it it went well, and we're looking, waiting for uh, some feedback on that. But today we covered psychopharmacology and and pharmacogenetics and the impact study here at, at CAMH, the Center for Addiction and uh, Mental Health. Uh, we'll put up uh, links to all that on the website. Yep. Uh, my battery, my battery, my battle with the the Ministry of Health here and being my own advocate, and um, I'm going to also put up the. Um, latest post on on my meeting with dr mcintyre and Mm -hmm. um again we'll also have information um from the university of michigan depression center uh relating to the depression toolkit um and i recommend everybody look into that and read because it has some real good just positive sort of life skills that you can learn uh whether you're depressed or not or if you know someone who is yeah and i would recommend journaling for for anybody uh whether you're depressed or not yeah um, it's really good to sort of see what you've accomplished. Exactly. Uh, and that's, so, uh, and I think that's good. And the ham D test, we're able to give Ed that test and make sure he was quote unquote normal, which <laughs> obviously depressed uh, the test is wrong. Um, <laughs> hey, wait but, a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, it gives you that idea. So, uh, that's my progress report too, that, um, Hey, I'm still doing well, and, and uh, this is, again, only the second time I've been in some form of remission, and uh, I, I only hope it continues. So. Well, thanks thanks so much for uh, updating us on that and for all the great information this show. Uh, and we also all hope that you continue on this good path. Thank you so much. So that's our show for tonight. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Please follow us on Twitter at UnhingedPC and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash unhingedpodcast. Also be sure to check out our website if you haven't done so already. It's at unhingedpodcast.com. We'll see you all next week. Take care. Take care.